everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. It's Kat, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? Well, Matt, this is a very exciting episode today, uh, as all of them seem to be. Um, This one, though, is particularly interesting to me because, you know, there are certain actors that you you see when you're young and then you never see them again right yeah yeah that's true um i'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. right well because you know it's been so <laughs> yeah, long since yeah. we were young that we can't yeah. like remember them but like you know the, like the kids from the little rascals or something i don't know that any of them had... they're probably dead by now well, or something them, yeah. i don't know I, but you know you know there's like those people you forget them like yeah but you know that you watch them, like if somebody brings up the show or whatever. Right. But then there are other actors that, like, grow up with you. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And uh, they continue acting, and yeah. you get to enjoy them, like, from young to adult. Yeah, like Opie Taylor. Oh, uh, yeah, Ron Howard was, yeah, like, Howard, amazing, because, yeah. uh, yeah, you know, Happy he... Days and... Um, Yep, and Andy Griffith, and uh, now he's a big-time director. Oh, it's uh, yeah, so a classic. You know, some people are, are able to do that, and our guest today has been able to do that. Um, you know, I remember him from uh, Newsies, uh, which was a musical. Um, did you watch that? I don't. I don't remember it. I mean, I might have, but I'm really not sure. Well, he's a cute little kid. They, like, sold newspapers, so newsies, you know, you get that. Hence um, the name. Yeah, yeah but uh, <laughs> it was it's really good. I would recommend everyone watching it. But then he was also in Doogie Hauser, which I'm sure uh, you watched that. Yeah, that was like a Sunday night show or something. It was it? very popular yeah, when yeah. we were, like, um, yeah. you know, younger. <laughs> I'm sure it spawned a lot of uh, careers in medicine. Yeah, I mean, especially at that age, you know, the like Doogie was, yeah, you know, a genius kind of. Right, kind like, kind like me, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like you, only you went, you know, a right. different path. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, meaning not medicine. Right, you didn't yeah, choose yeah, medicine, but, yeah. um, you know, then this actor also went on to. What you already know is one of my all-time favorites, The Sopranos. Right, yeah. Uh, yes, for a lot of... Actually, you know, like, um, he was in a lot of episodes of that. And, yeah. Uh, and, and my favorite, current favorite that I watch um, faithfully is The Blacklist. He's also been in an episode of The Blacklist. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, he's also done like theater, and uh, you know, has been in some movies and things like that. And uh, I believe he is currently uh, 
promoting a movie. He is, and we're going to talk to him about that movie today and about his long career. So um, I'm so happy that uh, we have Max Casella with us today. We are here with Max Casella today, and I'm so excited, Max, to have you on Backstory Sessions. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Uh, you know, when I was looking over your backstory, it's just really fascinating. I mean, from the very beginning, um, you were born in Washington, D.C., is that correct? Yep, yep, yep that's correct. And, and I think what makes it um, pretty fascinating is that your parents were both, um, like your dad is a writer uh, for newspapers and into politics heavily, and yes. your mom an activist. So yes. I mean, Washington, D.C. seems like the perfect place that, you know. Well, my dad, uh, the reason that they were in Washington, D.C. is that my dad worked at the World Bank, which is hysterical because he was a communist. And my mother would say to him, according to the story, my mother would say, you know, what the hell is a pinko like you doing working at the World Bank? Because my father was an economist. He wrote about the economy and his various various papers he started out in new york at like papers like the new york herald tribune and then he took a job at the world bank after my brother was born uh before i was born my father's like well i'll be in the belly of the beast and i'll be able to like i don't know what he said it was something about the belly of the beast but that didn't last long i don't know what happened i was born there shortly after he took a job with the Boston Globe. They gave him a column. And so I grew up in Cambridge outside of Boston. But that's why I was born in D.C. Because he was working at the World Bank in the belly of the beast, whatever he thought he was doing there. I have no idea. But he was an economist. That was his That was his thing. So did um, did you, like any of He was a, an a communist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, well, we want to make sure of that part. Yeah, like Professor Professor Richard Wolf. You're familiar with Professor Richard Wolf? He's he's exactly the my father. Wow. Pro- but probably a nicer guy. But you know, he was in a communist too. So um, you went a, another route. Yeah, you went into the arts. You went into theater and, and movies and TV. Um, yeah. So your high school, I, I noticed that there were several actors that um, seemed to be classmates there. Um, you know, do they have just a great theater program there? Or we had a really good theater program. We had a really good. I mean, you know, good. I mean, good. Good. What? I mean, we did interesting stuff. We had cool teachers, so we weren't doing just, you know, the usual claptrap stuff. We, my, I had a teacher, you know, me and Matt Damon were, were buddies in high school. I didn't know Ben Affleck because he was, he, was, he was five years younger. So, But by the time I graduated and left Cambridge and moved to New York, that's when Ben came into the school. So I never actually met him until later on uh, and I, when I worked with him professionally. But me and Matt were buddies. We had a guy, Jerry. De- De- Jerry, Sec- Jerry Specker, who was our, a drama teacher, and he would put on shows like Bertolt Brecht and Caucasian Chalk Circle. And uh, we did um, the 47 Ronin, which is an old kabuki play. I mean, we did some cool stuff. Um, my daughters are in high school now. They, they don't even have a theater program in New York City. Right. Like, that is beyond uh, uh, in, 
you know, incomprehensible to me. And but we had a really good one. And a lot of people, not only actors but basketball players, you know, like Ramil Robinson played for the Atlanta Hawks, and you, uh, Patrick Ewing who played for New York Knicks, of course, and uh, Tracy Bingham was a girlfriend of mine in high school. She became uh, Baywatch Babe and Playboy Bunny and. <laughs> Something in the water there. Either people became famous or they became like in jail and, and dead or the vast majority just had regular careers and got fat. But so you could be famous or infamous, it sounds like. Exactly, right. So, uh, yeah, there was something about it. I don't know. I mean, it was it was happening there. I mean, in Cambridge. Um, I'm glad I got to uh, go to that high school. Cambridge Ringing Latin, CRLS, class of 85. Great. So, um, what kind of student were you there? Oh, it's terrible. Don't even get me going on time. I don't want to talk about it. They they basically gifted me a graduation. <laughs> okay. I, I had no business being in school whatsoever. So school is not your student. Terrible, basically. terrible, terrible student. Terrible student. But you loved acting there. I loved uh, acting, uh, and I and I loved uh, the social aspects of school. But um, I was not a good student. Really, not a good student. I was, uh, with the exception of a few teachers who I, who I really like, clicked with. We had this one teacher. He was a he was like a communist socialist, kind of like me, my dad, my mom, Mister Krasnow. And he taught history, and he taught like like real history, like, you know, the labor movement and all that stuff. So I like, and you know, the uh, history, he taught history and sociology. And I, I did a great paper on, on China and uh, how the, the communists took over China. And then like later on, like, you know, when I grew up, there was a big picture of Mao Zedong in my, in my kitchen. And I used to, under which I, I ate my, my, my Cheerios every morning. It wasn't until I grew up and realized <laughs> what a monster the guy was. And, you know, they're like batshit crazy over there in China with the communism. It ain't like the kind of, like, you know, utopia that, I, you know, I still believe in. But it's like, that's just some, like, you know, totalitarianism shit that I'm not down with at all. But, yeah, we had everybody. We had Che. We had Castro. We had fucking Mao on the wall. We had everybody. <laughs> so yeah. I knew you had a great backstory. Um, I mean, it's fascinating. We didn't fuck around. We had all we had. <laughs> go you know, hard or go I'm, home. <laughs> I, yeah, go hard or go home. So, yeah. And I'm still my father's son, man. I mean, I'm a total... Uh, I mean, we had meetings in the house, and we were like, you know, the whole thing, you know, anti-imperialism, anti-U.S. You know, government, and, I, and I'm still, I'm still down with it, absolutely. So, so did you have, like, uh, people watching you that you knew of, or, I mean... Yeah, there were people who would come to the meetings that were like, because I guess, you know, the feds watched everybody, even pathetic groups that met in my house. Right. Um, we there was my parents were part of this group called the Venture Amos Brigade, which which was trying to do something with Cuba. And my mom went, my brother went, and going down to, to, to support the revolution, support the farmers down there, and and to lift the embargo and to help the people of Cuba. And they were pro Castro and pro pro revolution. And we had meetings. And through this Venture Amos Brigade. They got to go to Cuba and Havana and and stay on and and work and 
check out what was going on down there. So my brother went, my mother went. Wow. So, yeah. So, and so apparently, and there were other meetings about other things too, particularly like all the stuff the U.S. government was doing to like undermine the democratic elections down in Nicaragua, which they're still doing to this day, right, right up until this week. Anthony Blinken is trying to like undermine uh, uh, Daniel Ortega's uh, recent uh, re-election, and um, yeah, we had all that stuff. And there was a couple of people that they said, "Yeah, this guy was a Fed posing as a as a pinko to hang out and see what we were doing." You know, my parents were doing, and but we were kids. You know, we'd be in the other room watching TV. Right. Uh, but this was the stuff I grew up around all the time. You know, hmm. and. Uh, uh, that's that's where I'm from. I grew up in that, so that's my background. Wow, that's interesting. So, how do you go from that um, to Doogie Hauser, for instance? <laughs> there's you know? no, there's there's no uh, connection. That was the that was that was my childhood. So, like, uh, that was just the 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 picture I came out of, and then nothing changes. You know, I go I go to I become an actor. That's all. Okay. Um, it just happens to be uh, the background from which I come, you know, big, but, but I became an actor and then I got lucky and got on a TV show and started making lots of money. Then my broke ass father who wouldn't give me like $150 to go to acting class hits me up for like 10 grand or something like that. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's, it's got no, I mean, yes. I mean, it's not, it's not like a, a big deal because you know, it's a, it's a, I went into a film, I, I, I became an artist, you know, I mean, I was always an artist. I was into drawing and painting and then I got into acting and then I, and then I got good at it and, and I got successful and I made some money and, uh, but you know, my background's my background, you know, it's not, it's not like, uh, yeah. there was like a divorce, a divorce from that, you know, no, I took a, right. I, I pursued my career. I wanted to be a successful actor, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, you said your dad didn't give you the money for the acting lessons. Did you find other means to take them or yourself develop? Well, when I was back in the 80s, when I was studying, I studied with a guy, Ivan, and uh, he charged, he was in his living room. He charged like 150 bucks a month. And um, sometimes I came up with it because I was working a day job. And other times I didn't. I was living with my mom up in Harlem and we were broke. And my mom was basically supporting me because I only worked part time and I didn't make that much money. I was basically doing like telemarketing and stuff like that. Mm. And I worked I worked in an off off Broadway theater, say cleaning the toilets and painting the walls and, the, uh, you know, managing the place and then doing the plays and running the light board and pay, doing makeup and building the sets. And I had like a real apprenticeship, but I wasn't making them enough money to support myself. My mother was supporting me. So I wouldn't have a, some some months I'd have to skip and I wouldn't be able to go to class. And uh, my dad would say, "Hey, Dad, you know, can you give me 150 bucks so I can make class this month?" And he would say, "Yeah, I'll give it to you, but you got to, you know, work for me and all this stuff." I was like, "Why don't you just give it to me?" You know, it's like I didn't go to college. You know, most parents they have to pay for their kids' college education. You would at least owe me this. Hmm. 
And he was like, ah, I don't know you a fucking thing. <laughs> then we didn't talk for five years. The next thing you know, he turns on the TV and I'm on fucking Doogie Hauser. He calls my mother. He's like, what's this? What's the kid doing out there? What are, hey, hey, what's going on? Maybe I can get him some of this fucking money. <laughs> He's a fucking deadbeat. <laughs> I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but my father was a piece of work, boy. Yeah. It was dying day. He was a fucking communist man like to the dying day I was like hey dad have you checked out this Bernie Sanders guy he's like the first guy I really think is like good and he was like yeah but he's running as a democrat so fuck him oh, I'm like, oh come on come on <laughs> oh, man. Gosh. and then you know what he was fucking right he was right he was right Bernie man is a democrat they buried him and then he fucking like his whole revolution went down the fucking drain. My father was a Ralph Nader guy all the way. Yeah. Interesting. And so am I, by the way. So am I. Okay. Well, so how does it come to be that you um, auditioned for Doogie Hauser? And also you had Newsies. Um, was Newsies before or after? or During. Kind of during. Okay, during. here. So, all right, so while I'm working in this off-off Broadway theater... There's lots of agents coming through who are either teaching class or scouting talent. They see me mopping the floors and painting the walls or what have you. And there was something about me. I was very precocious, and uh, I looked. I was always looking much younger. And the, all these agents would come in, and they would want to fucking uh, represent me. So I freelanced in the 80s with like five of them. And one of them sent me out for a pilot for uh, Doogie Hauser. And it was one of these, like, lucky, stupid, dumb luck breaks that, like, it, this was a Stephen Botsko show, which was guaranteed on the air. Not just a pilot. Right. Which a lot of pilots go and don't don't get picked up. This was guaranteed. Three, 13 episodes on the air. He had just signed a 10-series deal with ABC, of which this was number two. I think L.A. Law was the first one. Wow. Oh, L.A. Law was NBC. Maybe this was the first one at ABC. Mm. Anyway, uh, I, it was I, I. I had I hit it out of the park without even realizing, um, and it ran for four years. That's awesome. Amazing. And and then Newsies. Um, so, did, are you musical as well? Singing, dancing? Did you study? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Newsies. I've been in. Um, after Newsies, I was on Broadway. I was in the original company of The Lion King. I did The Music Man on Broadway. Um, uh, I've been in a bunch of musicals. Yeah. Um, so you really are just an all-around artist. Um, yeah, like. I can sing, dance, act. Um, I, I, outside of the performing arts, I draw, I paint. Um, I play some music and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it comes out in all different sorts of ways. Have you done any directing or producing? I produced, I've, I've never wanted to direct okay. for some reason. I just don't like, I don't like working that hard. I like to just <laughs> take care of my own business. I don't want to look after other people's business. Yeah. That doesn't appeal somehow. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so you had a younger look and that, uh, because, you know, when you were on Doogie Hauser, you were already, what, 20? I was 21, playing 21. 15. 
Right. I was 21 playing 15, yeah. And Neil Patrick Harris was actually 15. I'm six years older than him. So, um, But that the reason is that I look legitimately 15 years old. Me and my brother have a uh, condition that we were born with. We're hypogon- uh, hypogonadism, um, which is that my pituitary gland didn't work. It's non-functional. Mm. Okay. So I had to take growth hormone to grow and all that stuff. It's a real condition, but it meant I looked many, many, many years younger than I actually uh, was, which is great for a TV producer because I don't have to go to school. They can work me adult hours, but I'm playing the same age as a real kid, you know? Right. Wow, that is an advantage for them. <laughs> yeah. And and for you as well, um, you know, to, to get yes. these parts. Sure. Yeah, yes. Um, so then, um, as you're you know, as you begin to look more the age that you actually are, um, how does that affect the roles that you take? Well, then I couldn't get a job to save my life. You know, I, I, I suddenly, uh, I was a late bloomer and I didn't reach puberty till in my like mid late twenties. And suddenly I went through that awkward teenage phase in my twenties and I had to totally start over in the business and it was very awkward. And, uh, uh, kind of um, was a bit of a like heartbreak because I was like I had to I had to go through a few dry years where I wasn't really working. I was doing a lot of voice work, but uh, I started to work as an adult around 28, 29, 30. Then I did The Lion King when I was 30, and and then now slowly, slowly it, it shifted into an adult career. From a child career, even though I wasn't a kid, I was, I was an adult, but mm-hmm. I had to, you know, uh, it took time and some heartache, but, and a lot of, you know, years of not really working a lot, but then eventually, you know, you stuck in there, stuck in there, didn't give up. I just kept at it and things got better, you know, things got better. That's good. So, so tell us what, what you're doing now. I mean, I know you have uh, a bunch of different things coming up and uh, uh, this new project that you're working, you're in. Uh, so this is my dear friend, owner, Tukel. He's, we, he's a wonderful writer-director. We've done, we've done a bunch of movies already. The first movie I, I, where I met owner was in a movie called Applesauce which we did about four or five years ago, mm-hmm. which is a great uh, dark comedy. And then during the pandemic, we made a film about about the uh, about the pandemic called Scenes from an Empty Church with Kevin Corrigan and Thomas J. Ryan. Okay. And uh, this film, uh, that cold dead look in your eyes, was made before uh, Scenes from an Empty Church. It was made before the pandemic, and it's just now coming out. It got flipped. Mm. Uh, but he's one of the funniest people I know. He's my one of my dear friends, and he's a brilliant artist. And I would I would follow him over a, a cliff. So owner can, can do no wrong in my eyes. Uh, I'm really proud to uh, to be a part of to be a part of this film. It's a beautiful film. Um, it's it's his. It's kind of a horror uh, psychedelic thriller. Okay. And it's beautifully shot, beautifully acted. It's all available. All these films are available on Amazon and other streaming services. Cool. Okay. And uh, I'm <clears throat> proud to try to like push it out there and get people to wake up and 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 get hip to owner Tukel. Yeah. It's one of the great talents making films now that most people probably haven't heard of. 
And I, so did you go ahead Kat. say that this one is out right now or is it coming out? So. No, it's out. It's out. It, it came okay. out a, okay. a week ago, I think. Yeah. All right. It's, it's out. Yeah. Okay. No. You could check it out on Amazon Prime for sure. All right. Cool. Uh, what do you got coming up in the future? I'm starting a, a Netflix miniseries called Jigsaw. And um, and then after that, I have a few things I can't really talk about. But Jigsaw is my is my next is my next job. What's that going to be? Uh, about? I, I was in. Uh, I'm not sure when Jigsaw is coming out. I start okay. I started uh, next week. But I also um, have a George Clooney film coming out called The Tender Bar, starring Ben Affleck, right. my friend from Cambridge, Mass. <laughs> and. Um, it's a wonderful film. People should check that out. I'm in that, and uh, yeah, I got that coming out. I got I got a few other things like uh, the the scenes from an empty church is out, right. and that cold dead look in your eyes. And I start Jigsaw next week, so awesome. that's what that's what's happening. And then I got some stuff happening in the new year, which is I can't really discuss. Okay, that's fine. Cat, <laughs> one more question. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I have to ask um, because you're in like you were in two of of, of my favorite shows series ever, uh, The Sopranos, and also you were in episode of The Blacklist, which is a current favorite. So, um, my, I yeah. guess my question is like, what is it like playing the you know this law breaking bad guy kind of character? Well, I don't I don't look at him that way. Okay, tell me how. I you mean, they they may be breaking the law, but. I don't look at them like that. I mean, they're just, it's just, uh, I approach every job the same way, you know, whether someone operates outside of the law or within the law. Um, it's, uh, it doesn't make much difference to me. Um, they're just characters, you know, they do things, um, for reasons that you have to justify. Mm-hmm. So guys on like the Sopranos, you know, they're just businessmen and they work outside the law. But, you know, this whole country is, is a, the biggest gangster operation in the world is the U.S. government. It's a total mafia. Just <laughs> <laughs> total fucking mafia. So don't tell me like, you know, like nobody respects the fucking law except the suckers and the fucking the losers. They're the only ones. Okay. Well, I definitely nobody like respects the law. <laughs> nobody respects the law. I mean, the decent people do, but the people who are making all the money, nobody respects the law. Some, but the some people like like the mafia works outside of the system, right? So apparently they're gangsters, right? But you know, the U.S. government can can go like you know, yeah, bomb a whole a bomb another country out of existence practically and steal their natural resources like their oil. And if that's not the most gangster shit ever, I don't know what is. Mm. So that the U.S. government is the moral superior of no one. So, like, I don't look at it as like, oh, these are gangsters and these are, no, these are people who are just like working, you know, whether or not they're obeying the law as it's written or what. I don't take a moral stance on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, like, yeah. I just like these guys have, this guy's the garbage collector. This guy breaks people's fucking legs for, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. They're just trying to make a buck and get a, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? There's no like, you know, 
naive, like yeah, cliche yeah. thing about it. It's just a, it's the way people go about their business. That's right. all. Right. You know. Yeah. So that's all. Did all you right. go sit in the the booth for the you know the final scene of <laughs> of the Sopranos? Because <laughs> that's like something I want to do. So. <laughs> Oh no, no, no! I I was in the final episode, but no, I didn't sit in the booth. I didn't. I wasn't in that scene, so obviously I didn't. wasn't there. So, uh, but I was in the the final episode. Yeah. Did Did you Did you like the way it ended? Um, were you surprised, or or did you know like how it was gonna be before? No, we did. You know, we have a table read. You sit around and you read it, and David Chase at the end said, "You know, all right, or something like that." And he wanted to leave it up in the air. I think since recently, he's recently said that Tony, in fact, is shot, killed mm. when the when it goes to black. I think he's confirmed that. I, I don't know, frankly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the case. Uh, he just didn't want to, you know, show it. Sure. Uh, a lot of people got upset about it. I didn't care. I didn't pay attention, frankly. I mean, it's not something I care cared about. Right, right. Uh, yeah. I, I just have one final question. Uh, you've worked with a lot of different people over the years. Do you stay in touch with uh, people that you've worked with for the most part? Some of them. Yeah, no, some of them. You know, it's like the actor's life is like uh, it's like a gypsy life. You know, you sort of um, you don't stay very long in one job. You know, we go from job to job to job. Right. right so, yeah. you, you know, and like when you do a play or you do a film, you have a very intense experience together that's very short-lived and then it's over and then like you know you form these these bonds but then they're broken right? right and then you move on to the next thing and you meet a new bunch of people with a strong connection and you make bonds and then that's broken right but then when you re reconnect with somebody whatever reason it's like you know you pick it up where you left off yeah if it's you know you work with them again or you run into them mm -hmm. in a social situation but that's just the way it is you know there's so many people i would love to uh reunite with that i you know i i was like in this play and i was at that thing and i was in this thing but it's just the actor's lifestyle you know what I mean? yeah I have I so it. many so many people like uh I, I always love to re reunite with people, but it's not usually possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it doesn't make it doesn't mean it's like you don't love those people any less. Right. You, you love them, but you know you may not fucking talk to them for years. You know. Yeah. It's like they're busy, you're busy. That, yeah. yeah. You know they're doing another thing. They're doing another thing. It's just the way it is. You know, it's like uh, it's really a specific actor's uh, experience. Yeah. You have a very intense a bond with a group of people of a shared experience and then it's over done period bye done yeah. you move on to the next thing mm. and then you have a new group of people that <laughs> it's an intense shared experience with it's a little bit lonely actually you know because but uh it's best when you can like reunite with people on something new you know what i mean or yeah you know all right. Well, I don't want to keep you any longer. We've already kept you longer than you originally. No problem. Intended. This was my pleasure. I just got one more thing to do, uh, interview after you guys, so I should get to that. But it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, oh, we, we as well. Thank you so much for being our guest. And Thank we, you for giving me a platform to promote uh, my dear friend owner's brilliant uh, film. Since from an empty church, that cold dead look in your eyes. Check it out on Amazon Prime. Owner to Kel, O N U R 
Tukel, T-U-K-E-L, Turkish American Genius, my friend, owner. Right. Awesome. Check him out. All right, Thank Max, you, guys. Thank you very much. We'd love to have you on again if you have time sometime in the future. Anytime. 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 Thank you so much. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Okay, guys. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com or you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.